saints. God bless you. You may be seated in the house of God. Thank you, worship team. Hopefully you guys are enjoying that worship album in him on Spotify. Thank you on our app. Thank you, sir. On uh, everywhere you can get music, basically, YouTube, Amazon, on our website. If you just want to be old school and push play, you can do it there. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2, and somebody say, I have an anointing. Can you say it one more time? I have an anointing. Amen. From first service to second service, I want to stay on this theme, that you have an anointing. Do you know what scares us most of the time are these, uh, you know, scary movie type things, these demons, evil. You know, evil will scare most Christians. You know, they don't know what to do with it. But I always tell Christians, what you go get scared at, uh, scared of in a movie theater, I cast out in Jesus' name. So I want to tell you this right now. You know what scares the devil? You. You scare the devil. Oh, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church. I wish I had some Pentecostals to give me an Amen. You scare the devil. Here we are as humans going to horror shows, going to, you know, these different types of genres to be scared of evil, and evil is afraid of you. The devil is afraid of you. Jesus made us to have power and authority. Now you might say, well, you know, I don't know how to use it, and that makes the devil really scary to me. Well, that's the problem. Because you have not been trained in how to uh, accomplish this victory, you get scared and I get scared easy. We get fearful. We're really, the devil's supposed to be running from us. Can I hear an amen? You have an anointing. The most fearful thing to the devil is a Christian filled with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The devil can't stop that. The devil right now, because of Jesus' whooping that he gave them, is a defeated foe right now. You are standing in victory as more than a conqueror right now in Jesus' name. Some folks are trying to fight for victory. Jesus already gave you the victory. You need to fight from victory. I see these guys here. They like to play, you know, the games with my kids online and all these different things. Where's my son at right now? Where's Lucas at? What's your, look, this guy's been wearing that shirt for three days. What's your, what's your favorite game to play right now, Lucas? Fortnite, stand up, let them give you a hand clap. At least you came to church, amen? You had to shut it off, amen. And you know they play this game. Now what if I told you that none of the enemy's weapons against you can harm you? What would you do in that game? You'd be dancing all over the place, you know, you'd be doing your little dances and all that. You would have no fear of dying. What if I told you in that game they can't take you out? They can't, there's nothing they can do. But here's the only thing that can give them power over you is you step out of your, your shield. You come out of this territory. You come out of this safe place. Now you can be defeated. We're walking in the world right now that is under the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, and he said, I won. He said, it's finished. That's why you're more than a conqueror. Now, does it always feel like that? No, it doesn't. Let's be honest. It doesn't always feel like that. Sometimes we feel like we're in a tug of war with the devil, but the devil's already been put under our feet. So why does it feel like it's a tug of war? Because it's for our faith. When Jesus was on the earth, he knew where that serpent was and, and, and that he was, had no authority over him unless he gave it to him. That's why when the devil came to Jesus, everything he said back to, uh, you know, after he tempted him, Satan tempted him, everything Jesus said back to him was the word. It is written. It is written. In other words, he was saying, devil, you can't mess with me. I belong to the power of God. 
When Jesus came on the earth, he didn't come as a superman. He came as a man. How many know he got tired? He had to eat. So that means he had to depend upon the word of God, just like you and I do. Now, as a resurrected Lord, he's in heaven. He has all power and authority, but he relates to everything we suffer here down on earth. When you are in a situation and you feel afraid, he knows what that feels like because he felt afraid. Don't you remember when he prayed? He prayed there in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Father, take this cup from me if it is possible. I mean, come on, Jesus. You know that's why you were coming. John the Baptist already said, this is the lamb slain. You already knew that's why you're coming. But how many know he felt the real fear of it? I mean, you could train to become a, a, a soldier, but now you're on the boat, now you're on the plane, you're about ready to face the enemy, you're going to feel afraid. That's natural, right? But Jesus didn't give in to the fear. He said, nonetheless, not my will. And what he meant by that is not his divine nature. What he meant by that was that earthly will that he had taken on to relate to us. He said, not my will, but your will be done. I want everybody to get this today. For Jesus to make that decision to go forward in God's plan by the power of the Holy Spirit against his flesh was no different and is no different than any time you choose God's will over your flesh. In other words, at that moment, Jesus had to make a decision with the same limited ability that you and I have. So anytime you and I feel like, oh, it was easier for Jesus to face the cross than for you to say no to temptation, that's a devil's lie. And I'll tell you why that's a dangerous lie, because that takes away the doctrine of his incarnation. In Philippians 2, would you turn there with me, please, brother, as a separate tab. Philippians 2 teaches us a very key doctrine about Christ. And so if you add to Jesus' human experience any advantage that you don't have, you have denied the incarnation of Christ and have placed yourself outside of Christianity. In other words, if you believe Jesus came to earth as a Superman, how many know Superman has advantages in the make-believe comic book world? Okay, we go in there. In the first service, I talked about wizards from Lord of the Rings. Many examples will be brought up here just to keep your attention. Are you listening? Okay. Your nerd level will, de will decide your nerd level, right? Like I take these little quizzes on Facebook. Some of you are going to get the highest level, okay? Others of you just track. I will try to explain it. But how many understand that Superman from moment one, when he crashed here, does anybody know what planet he came from? Which one? Krypton. Thank you. I forgot it. So you're a higher nerd level right here. Boop, boop. Okay, so we're going to see who gets the most nerd points. I get nerd points. Don't get me wrong. Okay, nerd is a good compliment here. I, I'm a nerd. Okay, but now notice this. When moment one, he came from Krypton to Earth, did he have advantages? Yes, he had advantages. His body wasn't like our body. He, he had a body that you couldn't just bruise and all of that. As he got older, he could run faster than everybody. That was to his advantage. Jesus coming to Earth. Did he come to Earth like Superman? No, he didn't. So you got to get that doctrine correct. The incarnation of Christ teaches us that he became like us in every way. Notice this. In very nature God, Philippians 2, 6, who did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. In other words, he could have used his God nature to his own advantage. He could have not been tired here. He could have not been hungry here. He could have used his divinity to his own nature. But no, look at this right now, what he did. Verse 7, rather he made himself what? Nothing by taking the what? Very nature of a servant. And last part, being made in human likeness. That's why he could die. So now when I say this to you right now, that Jesus was our example, there cannot be no but, 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 but he was the son of God. 
And I'm not the son or daughter of God, so I can't, I can't do that. No, the moment I say to you, Jesus is our example, you are to say, yes, Lord, I'm here to do what Jesus did. You are to be just like your elder brother, Jesus. He's not only your savior, he's your elder brother, and we both serve the father in the same exact way. I'm putting a lot of theology before I go to the scriptures, just seeing who already knows this revelation. It's okay if you don't, because we're going to go through it in scripture. Some are like, oh, man, you, you, you messing with me, Pastor. I don't know if I can agree with you. You will in just a moment, or you'll be disagreeing with the Bible. So I want you to hear this. Somebody say, I have an anointing. Say it like you mean. Say, I have an anointing. Thank you. When I say that you have an anointing, I'm saying you are anointed like how Jesus was anointed. And by that anointing, you are to do the same kinds of things that Jesus did. And so we are not to be in this world making an excuses. We are to be obedient. I don't want excuses. I want obedience. Any parents can say amen? Any parents in this house can say amen to that? Do you want excuses or do you want obedience? That's right. You don't want excuses. Clean that room. I know you can. Put away those dishes because I know you can. I don't want no excuses. Stop that game right now. I know you can. Well, I'm still watching the show. No excuses. Stop it right now. It's that, I'm not on YouTube schedule. You on my schedule. Are you all listening? How many want obedience in their house? I got six kids. I'm getting free right now. Does anybody want to help this preacher be a good father at home? You don't want, my God, you clapping over there, right? You don't want excuses. You want obedience. Same thing with God. He doesn't want excuses. Well, I was born a sinner. He's going to look right back at you. Well, weren't you born again? Are you saying I gave you junk? How many were born again half uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type stuff? Half sinner, half sinner. How many of you were born again the right way, all righteous, all holy, perfect like your father? Amen. We need to stop making excuses. Well, we're all sinners. That's the way you were before you met Christ. Are you a sinner or are you a saint? Oh, I ain't one of those. Well, then you a, you a sinner then. You either a sinner or an ain't, if I got to keep it like that. But there are sinners or saints. Are you a sinner or a saint today? Or there are saints or there ain'ts. There's the better way of saying it. A saint or an ain't. Am I confusing you with my, my words here? Don't want to confuse you. How many are saints in this place? Amen. So you better believe it. When you and I get scared and we don't want to take on our problems, we get scared by temptation. We get scared by tests. We back down and become uh, cowardly. Why is that? Is that God's fault or is that our fault? That's our fault. That's not God. Everybody get this right here. Anytime since you and I have become a Christian and we've given into temptation, we can't come back to God and say, well, God, you don't understand. No, Jesus is right here saying, I understand exactly what it's like to be a human. I was made nothing and I didn't sin. How did he do it? By the power of the Holy Spirit. So he doesn't look back at you and go, well, you know what? You're a different kind of human than I was a human. No, Jesus' humanity needed to rely upon the Holy Spirit, and the same way he relied upon the Holy Spirit, we can rely on the Holy Spirit. The same way that, that Jesus confronted the devil and told him what to do. Jesus always told the devil what to do. Never let the devil tell him what to do. See, Jesus understood he had authority over that devil. We can have the same authority. Just like I said before, that what bumps in the night, you need to bump back in Jesus' name. Instead of getting scared, oh, I've got night paralysis, sleep paralysis, oh, I don't know what's going on. Say, in the name of Jesus, whatever is in this room, I command you to get out. And just because you woke me up, I'm going to grab my tambourine and I'm going to start dancing and praising and worshiping and praying for five people to get saved. I guarantee you sleep paralysis will go. I'm telling you 100%. 
Sleep paralysis would go. I used to live in New Orleans, do ministry out in the French Quarter, real witches, real warlocks, real tarot card readers. Some of them were fakes and funny, but some of the real deal. Some who went with me in New Orleans could feel the darkness when we went around those areas. That's where I was every night. And then so, I, you know, during the weekends, and so I would come home and I would be scared. I would say, oh, man, I hope that demon that I cast out doesn't come mess with me. Or I hope that that tarot card reader, I said they're going to put a curse on me. It doesn't really happen. And so I would go to bed with one eye open. I'm telling you the truth. I would go to bed. I would go, and then something would disturb me, and then I would get all scared. I'm telling you the truth. In Bible college, I used to hand out my cards, and I had my phone number on there, which was the dorm phone, and this was like old school. There was one phone in the hallway, you know, pay phone, and I would come answer it, and then they would be on the phone. We're going to come kill you. They would come make, you know, try to scare me. I remember. I'm serious. I remember. This is how the preachers get raised up. You got to come from somewhere. Amen. I said, you got to start from somewhere. I remember waking up my friend from the Bahamas, and I said, they're coming after me. They're coming after me. This was a man of God. He said, in the name of Jesus, I point him over you. His name was Sean Pindaman from the Bahamas. He woke up. He started rebuking every devil. And I said, oh, I want to be like Sean. Let me at him. Let me at him. I want to be like Sean. I'm being honest with you. So the next time I felt that little thing happen in the middle of the night, I got out in the name of Jesus. And you know what? I'm being hundred with you. They stopped messing with me. And I sleep good now in Jesus' name. Because all the devil would do was remind me it's time to rebuke him some more and to pray. I got done getting woke up, and every now and then some strange devil who don't know me, some unfamiliar spirit will sneak in my room and try that with me, and he gets whooped real quick in Jesus' name. You listening to me? And the Bible says be careful about how you talk about them because even the high angels don't rebuke them unless in the name of Jesus. So I'm not saying they're a joke, but I'm saying with Jesus, they're under your feet. So we get scared when we face temptation. I've been there. Now married, going to turn in 17 years this June. Can we give it up for my boobster boo? Love you so much. I get scared, man, sometimes, and I allow the devil to get in my head. Well, what if it doesn't work out? What's going to happen to the kids? What's going to, what would it be like to have my children grow up in a broken family? That's the devil. We need to stop entertaining those thoughts and rebuke them in Jesus' name. We get scared. I understand. I am with you as your pastor. I am not a superman. Even Jesus, when he came, did not come as a superman. We here today who have ever won a victory are encouraging all of you through your battles to stand strong in Jesus. You have an anointing. Amen? Amen. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. These are the words directly from the Scriptures. But you have an anointing. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. The same one that anointed Jesus anointed you. The Greek word there is the word charisma, where we get the word creo, which also comes from Christ. Creo gives us the word charisma and Christos. It just simply means to have the power of God smeared on you, covering you, like the priests used to have oil on them. 
That's why we still use oil when we pray. It's not like we're trying to be slick. It's we're following the example of the scriptures that say this is to remind you of what it's like when the Holy Spirit gets on you. And how many know when the oil gets on something, it's hard to get off? How many know, but it makes you shine, doesn't it? That oil will make you shine. Some of us have too much oil up here. I'm breaking out. But some get a little bit ashy. They need some help with that oil. Amen. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's something that makes every food more luscious and good. Put some oil in that chicken and see what happens to it. Amen. I know we're on diets. We've got to have some baked chicken, but treat yourself every now and then with some of that fried chicken or chicken cooked in oil. The Greek family that I, I have with my wife, they cook everything in oil. They cook rice in oil, y'all. I'm telling you the truth. It's not just butter. It's oil. Am I telling the truth? Half kid, there's no oil, just butter. Okay, but they still have butter on the side. Oh, they still have olive oil when they eat it with the olives, and they put the olives on top, so I'm going to be partly true. I don't want to put your culture out there so much. Y'all put oil in your rice? Okay, so there's some other people that put some oil in the rice. That's what I'm talking about. The oil, it gets on stuff. It's hard to get off. Sometimes when my kids wash dishes after we've had those oily meals, they can't just put it into the cabinet. They got to get a paper towel now after it's been washed and still get it off. How many know what I'm talking about? That anointing sticks to you. It covers you. That's what you have right now by the, how, the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at it again. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. How many know the truth of God here today? Amen. That's who I'm talking to. I'm talking to those who know the truth of God. Now, if you're here today as a visitor, we love you. We want you to come and know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Be born again and watch what God will do in your life. So this is a message that will apply to you after you get saved. But how many saved folks do I have here this morning? Amen. Born again. Now you have an anointing. And this anointing gives you the truth. That means I can preach to you all day the truth, but you'll never know the truth until the Holy Spirit anoints you with it. That's why we can't argue people into it. We can help them with it, but it's not until the Holy Spirit gets on the inside of them like oil and saturates them to where it doesn't come off easy. Because if someone can argue you into Christianity, they can argue you out. But if you've been brought in by the oil, by the anointing, you will never with an experience be at the mercy of an argument. You might have to say, look, I got to get back to you. I don't have all those answers, but I have one answer that is for sure. I once was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was tore up from the floor up, needing a checkup from the neck up, but now I'm on Blessed Avenue, hallelujah, living next to Shouting Lane. That's where I'm at. Got a pep in my step, turned my frown upside down. That's some good preaching right there. I've been in the South. Y'all listen. You see, you know you've been saved. How many know they've been saved? Okay, so it's not a game. We're not playing make-believe. When we did baptisms a few weeks ago, that's real testimonies there. When I tell you that at the age of 18, Jesus Christ made me crispy and clean, y'all know what I mean? When I tell you that right there, that's a real testimony. Ask somebody who knew me November 4th, 1995. They'll tell you November 5th, something happened in Joe's life. Call up an old girlfriend. Call up an old friend I used to get high with. They'll say, I don't understand it all. I can't put it into words, but that man's been changed. That's what God does, does he not? He changes our lives. He rearranges us. As I said before, puts a pep in our step, puts our frown upside down. That's the goodness of God. You need to let your face know what your heart is feeling right now. Put a smile on your face and say, Jesus loves me. Come on. You need to let your heart know or your face know what your heart is experiencing. Even when you go through discouragement, wake up, put a smile on your face and say, I know Jesus loves me. 
And then when you face this world as I do with all the troubles and trials, we need to say boldly, I have an anointing from the Holy One. Yesterday, by God's grace, we went and preached on the west side. Somebody say west side. Amen. One of my favorite places to preach, and I saw what that anointing could do. It could flare up demons and get them mad and get the ones who wanted to get saved glad in Jesus' name. If you don't like what we're saying, the anointing going to make you mad, but if you open up your heart, you're going to get glad. Oh, I remember seeing tears of joy coming down people's faces. We were out there yesterday. I remember seeing what God can do that no one else can do. God restores lives. God tells the future. God makes sense of the past. God always does what he says he's going to do when we make time for him. I saw people saved yesterday. That's not just some lame thing that I did. That was a powerful thing that Jesus did. Amen? You're part of a gospel-preaching church. We always go out and give them something or do something great for the community. So we were feeding them, but we didn't just feed their bodies. We fed their souls. And you could tell and you could see the pictures. Matter of fact, brother, would you go to the Chicago for Jesus Facebook, show them some of these pictures, because this never gets old to me. And that's why you have an anointing, because some of you, you got to fight these battles right now with that anointing to get yourself free. But then after that, you need to go get 10 people free in Jesus' name. Amen? Because it's not just for you. It's for everybody else around you. How many know yesterday, Saturday, that beautiful day, sun finally came out. We sprang out of the winter back into spring again. How many happy for some springing during spring? Boing! I'm glad we're out of that. Hopefully we get up to the 60, at least the high 50s today. Amen? I could have stayed home. I could have been with my kids. I got a good life. I'm going to come preach here. I call this fishing in the bathtub, though. This is the easy kind of fishing because y'all preaching, amen, and sister got a tambourine. But how many know I got to preach out there on the streets? We got to preach to the gospel. We got to preach the gospel to the lost, to those who don't respect us, to those who don't even really care about us. They'll walk right by us and give us ugly looks. But we don't go out there for the, for the ones that don't want us. We go out there for the ones that do want us. And every single time, by God's grace, there are answers to prayers happening. There was a man out there that I was speaking with. Daryl won him to the Lord. He's, he was in the first service. Uh, Daryl could tell this testimony better than me, but we both prayed for this man. Uh, we saw this man come to Jesus. He said he had just got out of a troubling situation. He was walking around with a garbage bag. I don't know if those were his clothes. I was trying not to be too nosy. But, man, this guy was going through some stuff. And he said, man, I didn't know what I was going to do today. My life was upside down. And he said, I just stopped here because I could see a crowd gathering. I didn't know what you guys were doing. I said, we're talking about Jesus. And as we began to talk to him, he said, that's exactly what I need. I'm a backslider. And he gave his life to Jesus. Did he not, Daryl? Come on. Did we ever find out what was in the bag? That was his clothes. And this man didn't look homeless. You wouldn't have thought this man didn't have a place to live. He looked good, man. He had designer clothes on, shoes on, but he had a bag full of clothes. Ran into him preaching the gospel. You don't know what people are going through, y'all, but I have an anointing. God knows what they're going through. I'm not going to point them out, but I was going to say something. Keep going. Yeah, these are some wonderful pictures. But you know what? Because I don't want to make a man feel bad if he was homeless. Y'all listening. But these are these wonderful pictures of what God did over here. I'll let him testify himself. But look at what God did. You see what God did over here? Can we give a hand clap for what Jesus did in anointing, breaking yokes, setting people free? This is what Jesus did. We had one of our young people up there testifying. That's why I say make sure you bring your kids. We always pick the right spot so you're safe, and we always make sure that we, uh, we give you the best opportunity for them around there. So we're giving out things. They're safe. There's some of the kids there. But I can tell this testimony. She wouldn't mind. Go and put that picture back for me, please, with the, three, uh, the four children. 
This dear sister right here, what is this girl's name again? There she is. God bless you, Evie. Let's give it up for Evie right here. Let me tell you something. Evie, you blessed me yesterday so much. You stopped what I was doing. I had to turn around and see what was happening because I'm always used to hearing the preaching in the background. I'm close enough to the speaker where I can always hear it. I'm keeping an eye on everything, being a good pastor. And I heard this sweet young daughter of the Lord sharing her testimony, and then all of a sudden I started hearing, and I started hearing this. I turned around, and she just started crying in the presence of God. This sweet girl couldn't even tell her testimony without the Lord touching her heart. Can we give it up for Evie one more time? God bless you. Just think about that. Going out on the streets preaching the gospel, where would she be if it wasn't for the gospel truck that day? She would be out hanging out with her friends, doing whatever they do. And yet God had a plan for her there. She has an anointing. While she was out there, that anointing of the Holy One was upon her. And it was sharing that truth with others. That's how powerful the Holy Spirit is. He doesn't care about your age, your educational background. Sometimes, I mean, I appreciate it. You know, sometimes, though, they they bring people to me when I'm out there. Oh, this is our pastor. He'll fix this problem. No, I can't. I don't have nothing else that you don't have. All I have is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And if they're rejecting the anointing, there's no little thing I can put on top of that to make it better. Now, I do try to help, and sometimes I can answer questions. But sometimes it's like, man, pastor, I couldn't get this one saved. I'm going to bring them to you. It reminds me of parents when I was a youth pastor. We've tried our best. Now, I'm bringing them to you. Listen, man, you got the anointing for this just like I do. Most of the time, and I would say all the time, I can't think of an exception as of right now, but the reason why they're not free is not because of you. It's not because of the problem with you. It's the problem with them. It's not a head issue. It's a heart issue. They're not opening up to the anointing. My mother, I mean, you want to talk about this. My mother totally averted and just would not even talk to me about anything apologetics. Everybody here knows I love to be apologetic, talk about other religions. They're always getting whooped on in our churches. We love Catholics but hate Catholicism, amen? We love Muslims but hate Islam. How many know you hear a lot about that here? My mother, she didn't even play with any of that. When I was at her kitchen table as an 18-year-old man, a young man, she was telling me about Jesus. I was like, well, what about this? What about that? She said, I don't know, and I don't care about that. I said, what about Buddha? What about this? She said, I don't know, and I don't care. This is what I know. His name is Jesus, and if you call on him right now, he will save you. Woo! I got saved that day, November 5th, 1995. I wasn't argued into it with glasses, low tea, and a candle in the background. Well, in the 16th century, such and such a scholar wrote in Latin this phrase that you're looking for, little Joe, and if you understand it, then you will become saved. My mom said, I don't know about that, but I know Jesus. And from that day, I got hooked on the Most High. There's no high like the Most High. Give him a try. Jesus Christ does it. These young people have anointings, breaks the yoke. Just a few more pictures, and we'll go back to our text today. Show the people of God what happened out there. Thank you all for coming, preaching to those with bags of clothes, preaching to people who stop. We have people coming out their cars, getting preached to. Give them just some bags of chips and some food, just something to get them to stop and hang out a little bit. And that whole block belonged to Jesus that day. Can we give it up for him one more time? Jesus, Jesus. Jesus on Madison and Pulaski. Jesus in Chicago. Now when we look back to this text, 1 John chapter 2, what do we see? We have an anointing, and we know the truth by that anointing. Now go to verse 26, just a little bit down. I am writing these things to you, and if you have time, read all of 1 John to know the things he's writing. 
He says, I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. There's always some type of test and temptation trying to lead you astray. Trust me, even after all this education that I got, there are still tests and trials coming in this mind to lead me astray. Even after 17 years of blissful marriage, and I wouldn't trade it for any of my one-night stands and my, my club things that I used to do back in the day. Can I hear an amen for that? But I still get tempted. These things try to come and lead me astray. And I know if it's happening in my life, it's happening in your life. It was happening back then. This was their apostle, John, the very one who walked with Jesus, who knew Jesus, laid his head on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper that we'll be remembering in this upcoming week. That's our John. And he's saying, I know there are people trying to lead you astray. It's happened then. It's happening now. But look at what he says. As for you. Somebody say, as for me. You see, as for us, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. And you don't need anybody else to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Somebody say, remain in him. Amen. Thank you. We remain in that anointing. That's it. That's the choice that you make today as a Christian. Have I seen anointed Christians that used to be terrorists to the devil, winning their family to the Lord, changing neighborhoods, backslide? Yep, I've seen it happen. Judas, y'all, was with Jesus doing miracles. Do you ever think about that when it says he sent them out to go do such and such a thing? That means Judas was there. When he says he did all, when he was doing all of this on the boat, guess who else was there? Judas was there. Judas was there for all of the miracles of Jesus, feeding the 5,000. I'm sure Judas was one of the people that had to take that bread and see those miracles come forth as it multiplied. But what did Judas do? He left the anointing. He left the presence of God, and he was still, what, this close to Jesus. So you can be this close to religion but not have Jesus in your heart. That's why when Jesus was walking around town and somebody touched him in a different kind of way, he said, who touched me? But the disciples said, Jesus, don't you know everybody's touching you? But, he's saying, so, but he said, somebody touched me in this kind of way. When you're close to Jesus and you don't have religion, you can touch his heart and that anointing will bring you a miracle. Are you listening? But you can be close to Jesus and not touch his heart, not touch him, and be all busted and disgusted, the same old, same old. How many know you've been to church and it hasn't changed you, but you've been around Jesus in your bedroom and it's changed you in 30 seconds? Because just coming to church won't do it. Just showing up here won't do it. Some of you can come here, and I love being here. Don't get me wrong. I love being here. But you can be here and be away from God. You're still supposed to be here. It's a command of God. Come even when you don't feel like it. But if you learn how to be close to God, you'll get more from the Lord in your prayer closet than you do from this building. I'm telling you, Fry White Now was to tell you in my personal prayer journal life experience how many times I've experienced God the most, the most life transforming. The great majority, I would say eight out of ten, have been alone with me and that anointed one, Jesus Christ and the anointing. Does anybody else relate to that? It's not that we're saying church is bad. It's not that we're saying the prayer workers don't have the goods. We know they're anointed too, amen. I said we know they're anointed too. Can I get an amen? I need y'all help preaching. If you didn't know this was a Pentecostal church and your pastor likes it when you say amen. Now every now and then you can say oh me, oh my, but I prefer amen. Y'all tracking with me young people? Amen. I teach my kids, say yes dad after I talk to them. You don't have to do it all the time, but just every now and then. Y'all tracking with me? Can I get an Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. Now, I won't ask you too many more times. I can see y'all getting tired. My sister here keeps it going, though. Y'all excited? Because we're going to pray for you in just a few moments. It's going to feel like an old-time Pentecostal service. We're going to break out the oil. 
Because I want everybody here to walk out if you're knowing you're anointed. I want you, and if you could just keep that to side swipe every now and then, just going back to that west side picture, I want you all to get that in your mind. Just maybe one more time, bring it back, just some of these pictures, because that's why you have an anointing. That's why you, you have an anointing. Do you see Father Tom sitting over here? I'm asking that politely. I, I sometimes give Father Tom a hard time in the church, but I'm asking you a serious question. Do you see a priest over here? Do you see a nun over here? Do you see a bishop over here? No, but who do you see over here wherever we had it to see? It'll come back. We see the saints of God. We see Brother Rudy over there sitting at a table with the lost around him all feeding off that good bread that the Lord gave him. Look at that. This person lost, this person's lost, this person, this person, this person. They are all getting the gospel from one man. His cup overflows. By the time they left that table, I don't think many of them were lost anymore. I think they left that table knowing Jesus. See, that's why we're a terror to the devil. One can put a 1,000 to flight, two, 10,000. We come here to do work in Jesus' name. Amen? Oh, put that up from Daryl. Find that, Daryl. Daryl, help them find that picture of you at your job with your coworkers having Bible studies. I double-dog dare some of you to have the anointing to go to your job this week and say, when can we start Bible studies here? And if they say, well, that's not going to happen here, then say, okay, I'm just going to do it at Portillo's then. If I can't do it in the break room, I understand. No problem. I'm going to do it at Portillo's. Work Bible studies. School Bible studies. Do you all have some school Bible studies yet? Yeah, you do? A little bit? Well, you better keep it going, girl. Come on. That's why you're there. Let's give it up for these right here doing Bible studies on their lunch breaks. Praise God. Come on. You all can clap. But that's somebody's mom, dad, sister. Praise the Lord. I don't know. Who knows Jesus or who didn't know Jesus? But all of them hearing about Jesus. Amen? I pray for each one of them to know the Lord, to love the Lord, for their family to be blessed, and that company to be blessed for allowing it to take place right there. Because whatever they do will be blessed in Jesus' name. That needs to be every company, every business. Like I said, if they say politely to you, you can't do it there, then just say politely, I'm going to do it at Portillo's then. That's it. Okay, we can't start a school club. I was talking to one young man the other day. You need a sponsor. You can't do it there. That's all right. We'll do it in front of the flagpole. Meet me at the flagpole every Tuesday. That's my Bible study location. You do it in Jesus' name, and you start watching what God will do. God's looking for those who want to use that anointing. Going back to the scriptures now, go with me to Luke chapter 4. Did you know that Jesus was anointed? Of course you did. Most of you already knew that. Christ means anointed one. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the anointed one. Now I want you to see where he got his anointing from. Go to Luke chapter 3 and then we'll come to 4. I want to show you in the timeline. Look at Luke chapter 3 verse 21. When Jesus was baptized in water, the dove of the Holy Spirit came on him. That was the time he was anointed. Look at it. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Is that because he was a sinner? No, he had lived perfectly, but he's showing us the example. Once again, he's not a superman. He's going to do everything like how we're supposed to do. So he gets baptized, not for his sins, but as our, our example. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Now you say, well, that's just for Jesus. No, go to Acts chapter 2. 
He said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came on them. So what happens? In Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had come together, when they were all in one place, where they were praying, suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in what? Other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Is it just for Jesus to be anointed in the Holy Spirit? No, it's for us too. Jesus is our example. Jesus showed us how to do it. Now go to that passage, please, in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. You'll never hear this language until after that dove came on Jesus because he didn't come as a superhuman. He came as a normal human. He didn't use his divine nature as a special advantage, so he needed to be anointed just like us. And now you see this language that you had not heard about him before. Verse 1 of chapter 4, Jesus full of what? The Holy Spirit. Now he's full of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus had the Holy Spirit before that. That's not where he started to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. How many know Jesus had the Holy Spirit from moment one? John the Baptist felt that Holy Spirit when he was in his mother's womb, started leaping. So Jesus had already been in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. This represents to us being born again. Unlike Jesus, we're born separated from God, needing to be born again by the Spirit to have that relationship. The only thing that Jesus had differently is he started over as Adam and Eve. Adam knew the knowledge of God from moment one, born perfect. Then Jesus was born perfect, and he kept the perfection, whereas Adam sinned. Everybody get that? Okay, so that's the only difference. But by being born sinless, that did not mean his will, his emotions, or his mind had an advantage. It just meant he got to start from the default of perfection, and he kept perfection, where it looks like Adam and Eve couldn't even keep it from one day going to the snack bar. They sinned the first day at the snack bar. Anybody can relate? Starting a diet, there's the snack bar, there goes the diet. They couldn't even keep that Holy Ghost diet for one day, it seems like. But I want you all to see this. After Jesus received the Holy Spirit in a subsequent way to his salvation, in other words, he didn't need to be saved. It wasn't a part of that because he was born saved knowing God. Subsequent to that salvation, he has an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and it's for power. Look at the next passage. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Look at the next passage where it says he comes in power. Verse 14 of chapter 4. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the what? Of the Spirit. Thank you. You need to return back to your home in the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I need to go back to our jobs in the power of the Holy Spirit. Never the same again. That's why you're here today. Amen. Let's learn to do this. Let's learn to do this. I want to operate in this. I can get excited and keep preaching it. As I told you, what's the difference between when I preach it or teach it? Preach it's when I yell it and teaching is when I what? When I tell it. So I'm going to slow down here just a little bit so we all get it. But how many can sense the excitement in this room? That you're supposed to go out and do something great for God. That you're supposed to be like Jesus. And you and I are not supposed to use the excuses of our sin, of our temptations, of our battles against the devil to hold us back from this. You and I have an anointing that can break yoke. Show them the picture one more time of that beautiful west side. It's the west side, my brother. You can set it back up because that's where we'll go. 
Even on his job, that took courage, didn't it? It took courage for him to say, hey, anybody want to do a Bible study? How many know sometimes you can be nervous just to even tell somebody you already know about Jesus, let alone a coworker. You don't want to look foolish in front of them or to stand out here on the streets. Let's go to another one here. Maybe uh, go back to where... Um, Tina was that, talking to somebody on the streets. Sometimes we feel like, oh, well, I don't know this person. You know, I don't know you. This is going to be embarrassing for me. Maybe I might say the wrong thing. Let's be honest. Have you ever felt that before? A lot of people have. I have. I've talked to strong Christians before, and they've told me, man, I can't do that. I don't know how y'all go out there and do that. How do you do that? Man, I've been in church all this time. I can't do it. You know why we can do it? Because we're filled with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on us to give us power to do that. Now, granted, there are some people that have that personality. They may be called outgoing people. They do sales on their job. Tina's a bubbly personality. I can fall under that as well. Not so bubbly, but I can fall under outspoken, okay? But still, I get scared or felt scared and have felt that way before to go preach and I don't allow that to stop me. Why? Because I have an anointing. I have the power of the Holy Spirit. Tina right here, no matter how bubbly her personality is, she can't break through to this man's heart right here. You know what I'm saying? You see, like, you go to different places and concerts and, and you watch a movie. Every now and then you can get emotional. Maybe somebody will sing a good song, you'll get emotional. But how many know getting people to be emotional, telling a nice poem or getting them to joke, uh, laugh at a joke is not changing their soul? The Bible says you can laugh on the inside and be still hurting on the outside. The only thing that's going to penetrate this man's heart is not Tina's personality, is not Tina's good looks or how nicely dressed she is. What is going to rock this man's soul is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And she has to trust the Lord that the Lord will use her. That's why I get so discouraged when I hear preachers talk like the way I am right now, talk about an anointing, talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, and then they just end the service as if the anointing was just for here for you to jump, shout, and get excited. The anointing is not just for us to get here and have an exciting time. The anointing is to work out there. Jesus didn't just hang around the, the temple and say, hey, guys, I'm anointed. You feel the anointing? Let me just zap you a little bit. Oh, do you feel it? You know, let me get it on the back of your head, neck, you know, those neck hairs standing up, goosebumps. That wasn't what they were doing, having like a bless me club. Jesus took the anointing and said, I'm going out there to meet Mary on meth. I'm going out there to meet one-eyed Willie. I want to meet the businessman that doesn't think he knows God. I want to meet the unreachable, the untouchable, and I want to bring the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus did. And when you get the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll do the same thing. That's what it's like. It's like you knowing that God is on your side, that no one can stop you. It doesn't matter if they threaten you. It doesn't matter if they take your life. What did Jesus say? Don't be afraid of those who can just take your life. Be afraid of the one who can put your soul in hell. That's part of our encouragement. I know it sounds a bit crazy, like, man, I'm not supposed to be afraid of you. I'm supposed to be afraid of the God who sends me to hell, but if you th or could, could send me to hell. But if you think about it, it makes perfect sense because that's the worst they can do. So why follow their peer pressure? Why not be influenced by the power of God and stand up for Jesus where he'll both bless you in this life and in the world to come? Can I hear an Amen. Amen. Now look at this in Luke chapter 4. Let's go to some practical steps. Somebody say, make it practical. Here it is, practical steps. Those with their notes out. Okay, step number one to the power of the Holy Spirit. Number one, you got to be saved. Number two, got to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
And now, number three, you have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Can somebody say synergy? Synergy. You ever heard that word before? Maybe in a corporate talk. Some of you have, some of you haven't. Synergy means when more than one people or powers work together for a common cause. Synergy talks about joining together and sharing a common goal, a common cause, and putting forth your effort and your energy together. Monergy, somebody say monergy, is mono, one power, doing all of the work. Now let me ask you a question. When it comes to us being used by God, is it monergy, monogy, or monergy, or synergy? Which one do you think it is? It's synergy. God will not work against your will. You have to work your will with him. Now, when it comes to healing and casting out demons and, you know, speaking to people's hearts and seeing them get saved, obviously that's 100% God. But the means by which he will do that, the hand of healing, the word speaking deliverance will come from you. And you and I must decide to cooperate with him. So here's the way I look at synergy, our cooperation with God, and yet God getting all of the praise for the energy in synergy. Here's how I look at it. Jesus said, all you who are weary and heavy laden, take my yoke upon you, and then you shall find rest for your soul. Everybody get that? So that yoke is shared between us and God, and that's the good life. That's not a bad life. That's a good life. In the same way, we become co-laborers with Christ. Christ says, I'll do the healing. You just speak the word. They're healed. He said, I'll do the delivering. You just say, go in Jesus' name. I'll, I'll do the, uh, the fixing of the past. You just say, all things work together for good. Can I hear an amen for some synergy up in here? Do you know how many times? It's, it's countless. I could testify. Matter of fact, many of you right now could just testify to this. How many times have people told me, Joe, you preached just what I needed to hear? Why? Because I was cooperating with the Holy Spirit. I was hearing what he was saying. He gets all the credit, 100%. It's his yoke. I'm following him. But it's those words that are coming from the throne room of heaven that I'm speaking, and it's touching and changing people's lives. You can ask my wife how bad it can go for these words after this service. My words can go pretty bad really quick. Am I not telling the truth, Nancy? So it's only God that can use these words to change a life. I don't know what's going on in your heart right now. I don't know, and I didn't know then, that a man would be carrying a bag of clothes at that time on that street, and I'm going to put a truck right there to encourage him. But God knows. The anointing knows. The woman at the, the well, Jesus knew about her husband's. Why? Because the anointing told him about that. Jesus knows what's going on in people's lives. You can think to yourself all that you want about how God is supposed to do it, but until you let God do it, you'll never see him do what only he can do. If you sit back and try to orchestrate how God should save your family, you probably will never see it done. But if you let God show you how he's going to save your family and do it his way, you and I can see our family saved because you got to let go and let God. You know, when I try to control things in this church, I mess it up every single time because my ideas aren't anointed. I need what heaven has. I don't want God on my agenda. I want to get on God's agenda. What are we supposed to do at 1243 today, right now, Jesus? I'm on your agenda. Anoint them with oil? Yes, Lord. Read them some verses? Yes, Lord. And then watch what happens. You're going to see God change your life. And so doesn't that take the pressure off of us now? It does for me. It makes me feel like I'm not responsible for that part of it. 
It's the synergy of the Holy Spirit. It's my cooperation that, that enables what God promises to do to come to pass, yes, but I'm not responsible for the healing. So why should I be intimidated if I have to pray right now for somebody that's in a wheelchair? Now, if you had a cold, man, I feel a little bit easier about that. That's a little bit better, right? I feel like that's easier. But how many know that's foolishness? I can no more heal your cold than I can get you up out of a wheelchair. So why am I sweating it to begin with? That's not my energy. That's God. What my energy is is to say these words, be healed and rise in Jesus' name. That's your energy. That's your decide, uh, decision to make. How many want to make that decision? Come on, how many want to point to a sick person and say, be well in Jesus' name? We want to pray for you today to be well because I'm going to put my energy with the Holy Spirit's energy. My energy is not going to save you. My energy won't do any of that, but it will give voice to what God's energy is saying. It will give voice to what God said he will do. That's why he didn't just send angels. That's why God is not monergism right now just doing everything monoly. He said, I send you out to preach. You lay hands on the sick. So, you know, the preacher like me right now, do you think God's moving my mouth like a puppet? Go back, please, to the one with Tina. These guys are doing good in the back. They got a lot of work. Give it up for them, keeping up with the pastor. It's one thing to do sound and media in a Baptist church. It's another thing to do it in a Pentecostal church. Amen. Flip, 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 flip. I love they're doing great. God gave her the words, but she had to open her mouth. There's no Holy Spirit right behind here. Okay, now, Tina, you say this. There's no puppeteering going on here. Amen. God is using her, though, but she has to be willing to step out there in faith. What am I going to say to her? Or uh, what am I going to say to him? What am I going to tell him right now? Okay, she, she's listening to how he's coming back at her. I don't know their conversation. I'm just using that as an example. She's listening, but she's not just listening with her earthly ears. She's listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying. I remember in different conversations that I've had with people just like this, the Lord will have me say that they're distracting. They're, they're giving you a diversion. They're trying to get you off the scent of what, where their heart really is. Don't fall, fall for it. And at different times I've said, you know what? I feel God is telling me that this is what your real issue is. And I've seen tears come down their face. And they said, yes, that's exactly what I'm dealing with. That's my real problem. Because, you know, they want to argue. They want to make themselves look religious. So I go to church. But they're not telling you the truth. God knows how to cut through all of that. The anointing, hallelujah, knows how to get right to the heart of the matter. Because that's the matter that means the most, that matters the most. The heart of the matter matters the most. The anointing breaks right through it. Now, that doesn't mean we don't study to show ourselves approved. There's a balance to this because as a Bible college, we're teaching ministers how to be equipped for the ministry. And when we were in New Orleans, one of the young men told my wife, he said, man, I'm glad this pastor's teaching me this, your husband, because all I've known to tell people in difficult situation is I know Jesus and have an anointing. I'm never at the experience of an argument, the thing we shouted about a few moments ago. You know, he said, but now I got some knowledge with that. But here's the thing. No matter how much knowledge we get, if we don't put it through the anointing or if God doesn't anoint it, it will just puff us up. We'll just be a clanging symbol. You know, a clanging symbol. We'll just be making noise. But if we hear what the Lord is saying, he can use our wisdom, knowledge that he's given us. Amen? Okay, so number one, get saved. Number two, get filled with the Holy Spirit. And number three, cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Now look at Luke, please. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Here's the dance with the divine. You all want to do the merengue with Jesus? Or the rabbit, the running rabbit? We're going to dance with the divine. You all ready? 
you got to be willing to do that dance now. Every now and then you'll step on his toes. That's okay. I remember one time I felt I had a word for a man being a homosexual, and he tried to convince me he wasn't. I think he was probably right. Uh, maybe he was lying, but I think I had it wrong. I just apologized to him. I'm like, okay, man, I'm sorry about that. I wish I could say I recovered after that, but no, the conversation was pretty much over. So every now and then when you're listening to the anointing, you may say something wrong. You're trying to hear what the Holy Spirit says. This guy was getting offended and everything, and I felt like in my heart, man, he's wrestling with homosexuality. I feel that's the anointing. Hey, man, are you wrestling with that? And he got mad. Now, sometimes that can just be a smokescreen too, but he said, you know, on everything you could swear on, that wasn't what he was dealing with. So I said, okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I, didn't, I didn't hear from the Lord on that. How many know, even though he didn't look like he forgave me or wanted to continue the conversation, how many know God forgave me? I said, how many know God forgave me? And how many know I learned from that? So at worst, if you say, I sense the anointing telling me this or doing this, and it doesn't happen, you can either say, it's not God's time, so you can pray on that. Maybe it's not God's time. Test it by others. Or you can simply say, hey, I'm sorry I missed it. I'm going to go back and learn more. How many of you have missed it on other things? How many have missed it on different things, and you keep getting better at it? Well, why not grow in the anointing the same way? Right? We're all not bad in the thousands. A thousand. The Bible says a righteous man may stumble. How many times? Seven times, but get back up. It doesn't say the wicked. It says the righteous. That's people like you and me aiming to do the right thing, going out there on the streets to preach the gospel, really trying to help your family members, right? And in that situation, you say the wrong thing. You do the wrong thing. Just say, I'm sorry. Get back up in Jesus' name. Amen? Let your set, let, let your set back become a set up for the next level. Do you think if I quit preaching because I made a mistake that first time I preached, I would be here today? No. If I had to stop preaching every time I made a mistake preaching, there would be no preacher today, not only with me, but with anybody. We as preachers have to learn to move in the anointing. Same thing with worship leaders. How many know they've been off before? I'm not saying in a Sunday service. I think they're pretty much always on. But how many know they had to learn how to do this? And if they, if they were off one time and said, oh, man, oh, I can't do that anymore. I got people watching me. I can't do this. There would be no worship leaders here today. So stop being so hard on yourself. On yourself. Cooperate with the anointing. Here's how you do it. Number one, the Lord anointed Jesus, and he's anointing us for the same thing, to preach the good news to the poor. Number one, cooperate with the Lord and preach to wherever he tells you to go, to whoever he tells you to preach to. Amen? Come on. Didn't the Lord tell you, Jackie? Uh, I mean, uh, Jocelyn. Sorry, it's one of the J words. Didn't, see, that, see, that wasn't the anointing. How many know that wasn't the anointing? How many know you could come in and out of the anointing? I was in the anointing until I called her Jackie. Now I'm back in the anointing, Jocelyn. The Lord told you to start preaching at UIC, right? There was, there was no outreach there. No pastor had spoke to you but the anointing. Can we get a picture of her on her Facebook page preaching at UIC, please? See, that's God speaking to her. Nobody had to tell my mom to get ready to win me to the Lord at her kitchen table. But the anointing told my mom, Joe's different this time. If you've heard my testimony, I was a church kid. I hated God, but I was on drugs, and I would torment my mom and my dad, and I would use Christianity as a way to really cause fights and arguments. But the, but the Lord told my mom, Joe's different this time, because she wasn't even going to let me back in the house after our last fight, but the anointing. Somebody say the anointing. Come on, the anointing spoke to my mother and said, let Joe back in. And at that table, she won me to the Lord. Uh, let's get her preaching at UIC. You guys can do that on the side. I don't want to distract everybody. It's going to be on her personal page. 
I showed it to, a, uh, not a pastor, but a guy who works with pastors in the church. He's a leader, let's put it that way. And I'm not going to go into too many details because I think he still listens to my sermons. But he was asking me, well, is everybody supposed to preach the gospel? And I said, yes. He said, can you show me that in the Bible? And I said, every time it says go out and do that, that's what it's talking about. What do you think it's talking about? Go out and build orphanages? Go out and water the, you know, dig wells? And then he was like, oh, okay, I get we're all supposed to preach in that way, but not everybody on the streets. And I said, no, it literally says on the streets. Go out into the highways and byways. And when they went out and preached, they would go out to the towns and to these different places. And so he began to understand it. But then I said, I want you to get this. And I said this to him with all due respect. I said, but I want you to get this. You and I have now argued, and that's okay. It's, it's, I already told him in my house it's okay to disagree because he was there for um, an, a family event. I said, we've argued, we debated, and I think I got you to the, the point where you can acknowledge that. Thank you, man of God. Let's give it up for uh, Sister Jocelyn preaching at UIC, baby. Blah, 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 blah. That's what we down with, guys. 66 clips coming right at you. Pow. <laughs> I, know, I, try to, I try to bring it to the hood. Some of you are like, Pastor, we are so sophisticated. Don't do us like that. Others got happy. They're like, oh, I get it. We Tupac for Jesus now. That's right. We running up on them. This sister's running up on the streets preaching the gospel. Nobody told her to do that aside from the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You see, that's what God will have you to do. But going back to this story, I said, bro, I want you to think about this. We just argued about it. Can you please give it up just a few more moments? I said, we just argued about it. I think after I used all of my cemetery, I mean seminary degree, I got you to the point to at least acknowledge it. But then I said, but Sister Jocelyn, she didn't need all that. She didn't need all that. Sister Jocelyn just heard it from the Lord. I said, that's when you know you're this close to Jesus in the real way. I said, nobody told me to go do this. I was brought up in the suburbs of Fort Wayne, Indiana. We didn't know about street preaching and street ministry. I didn't know about that. All I know is that when I got saved, God told me to go right back to where I had been skateboarding and had been doing drugs and start preaching. When I went out there, I had a way, a swag about me, how I preached, how I held my Bible, slapping the Bible, doing all this. God asked my witness, Brother Anthony, because he said he saw a lot of the similarities in me. I haven't changed, amen, by God's grace. That's the anointing because the anointing is still the same, amen. My friend from Bible college said, who taught you how to do that? Because I sat down with him after he came from break. I got saved in November. Just a few weeks later, he came on a Thanksgiving and Christmas break. He was my good friend from the church. He said, man, who taught you, man? You, you throwing your Bible around like this? You having all that swag? I said, nobody taught it to me, man. I have now gone back and watched videos of preachers over the years preaching on the street from uh, Brother, uh, what's his name, Jed? Brother Jed on the college campuses. Is it Jed? Jed. Yes, Jed Smock. I went back and looked at all of these preachers that have been preaching on the streets for years, and I saw Billy Sunday. I saw these guys. I saw these other people preaching like this. I would slap my Bible. I would throw it down and say, I stand on that. I would go, wow, I stand on the word of God. Now I don't do drugs, but I'm high on the most high. I would do that on the streets. Do you know that I broke the windshield of my Saturn car? Because I said, man, we driving down Bourbon Street. I said to my friend, you keep driving, I'm going to get on top of the roof. I got on top of my roof going down Bourbon Street. No, anointing did not tell me this, by the way. I got down, I got on top of my car, and I'm riding like this until the police officer said, get down, get down. And then when I went to get down, I stepped on the windshield to jump off, but I'm a big boy. And you could just hear the moment I put my foot down on my windshield. I broke my whole windshield. That wasn't the anointing. 
But you know what the anointing told me to do? Get the church van, open up the side, and drive real slow. We did our own parade. So I didn't have to be on top of it anymore. I just had that door open and just started preaching to everybody. People would stop and say, hey, we were headed downtown to go get drunk and do drugs, but we heard you preaching. We're backslidden church kids. We know we didn't belong here, but by the preaching of the word, we're going back home tonight and getting right with God. He'll do it in Jesus' name. Amen? Thank you for playing that powerful video. Going back here, number one, you'll preach the gospel to the poor. So we're going to get saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, cooperate with him. What are we cooperating in? That sub point. Number one, we're going to preach. We're going to be ready to preach. Number two, we're going to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. We don't just preach that God saves. We also preach that he delivers. I always say I got saved at the kitchen table, but got sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost at the couch <laughs> because that's when my dad came home. And I said, Dad, I'm feeling all kinds of ickiness on the inside of me. After I had gotten saved, it felt like I needed a spiritual bath because all that junk was there. And my parents started praying for me, speaking in tongues. And I got filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, set free from drugs, never did it again. Got set free from drunkenness, never got drunk again. I got set free from perversion, never had sex outside of marriage again. Are you listening to me and it didn't take 12 steps it took one step to Jesus freedom for the prisoners praise God I always remember the story about Lauren here she's now our administrator she says she wanted to get free from smoking and if that's you we want you to get free but the question that, that we should be asking you but I always used to ask is where's your cigarettes go get them and so that takes some faith, doesn't it? So she had to go out to her car, go get her cigarettes, and then she threw them down. And she stomped on them in Jesus' name, never smoked again. You willing to get free today? You want to get free? You willing to get rid of your vape thing, your vape device, whatever they call them these days? You want to get free from perversion, cut off your account, turn off your internet for a month if you need to in Jesus' name? We preach that. We cooperate with the Lord. As I said before, my parents who preached the gospel to me and preached freedom to me did not even know that was their day. I have to look back on what it would be November 5th. Nancy, look it up. What was November 5th, 1995? I think it might have been a Thursday. What do you think a Thursday is for my house? They weren't ready for <laughs> preaching the gospel, sanctification, and casting out demons out of their drug addict son, but the anointing was ready. The Holy Spirit's always ready. How many know troubles are going to come to you when you're not ready? In the natural, how many know, I'm going to say this again, how many know troubles are going to come when you are not ready? But the Holy Spirit's always ready. you got to stand on the Word of God and trust that the Lord has got your back. The Lord had my parents back. Because wouldn't that be a sad day if I come to them on that day all broken down, November 5th, 1995, to become a Christian, but they don't have anything to offer me? Let's say a parent who hadn't been really going to church often or didn't know the scriptures and they just kind of brushed me off or actually do what I was asking because at that time I wanted to go to a mental hospital. They would have missed that whole Jesus moment. Now I believe because of God's grace, he would have sent me somebody else. How many know God will send you somebody else? And God will use somebody else if he doesn't use you because he's not going to let somebody go to hell because of our disobedience. I believe if Jonah wouldn't have went, Jonah would have died in that whale and he would have called the next one. <laughs> He would have said, okay, now you, number two, come on this way. I'm being honest with you. And so we look to the scriptures and we say, you got to be ready in season, out of season. How does that happen? Because of the anointing. What day was November 5th, 1995? It was a Sunday night. Look at that. My parents had no idea what was coming to their doorstep. Their drug addict son, who had had enough of sin after years of rebellion, but the anointing was ready. And I got saved that day. 
I may not be ready for your problems. I sometimes stand up here when I do prayers. Right now in this season, we've had the altar workers do it because they love to serve and to get that chance to do it. I don't want the pastor to have all the fun, but just in case you don't think I'll do it, I'll do it right now in Jesus' name, okay? As we start to lay hands on you, I'm going to lay hands on many of you. But listen, sometimes people want to stop me when I'm laying hands. They want to tell me their life story like I'm Dr. Phil. Listen, that's okay, but I can't fix you like that. Sometimes they want to give me their whole medical diagnosis like I'm a doctor. It's this one right back here. It's the fourth vertebrae from the third top, and it has a little splinter. That I don't know about none of that. Be healed in Jesus' name. This is not a counseling session, nor is it I'm your doctor or physical therapist. And everybody in the medical field should say amen to that. Well, I just heard a little bit here. No, let's look at Jesus. Be healed. That's my job, right? Now, the counseling, we can do that another time. But listen, sometimes people tell me their stories, and I'm like, oh, dear God. I wasn't ready for that. I'm serious. We've had to call police after altar calls like this to get people out of homes that they were in danger. Are you listening? We don't hide that stuff here. I wasn't ready for it, but the Holy Spirit was ready for it. See, God knows what you're going through. And if you are going through a traumatic situation, we will hear that today and get you out. I'm just talking about, you know, the kind of thing where people want to stand up here and just tell me their whole life story. That's not what we're praying for. We're praying for deliverance. Get free in Jesus' name. Jesus will make sense of your past. There are things that God makes sense of my past right now with tears streaming down my eyes and tongues happening that I can't explain to you. 20-plus years after the dates of my trauma. Does anybody else relate to that? Come on, only three or four of you. I'm almost in the Lord right now, November 5th, 1995. What is that? 2020, uh, do 22 minus 1995. How many years have I been saved? November just passed, so I've been saved a certain amount of years. How many? 2022 minus 1995 will tell you, tell you how many years. 27 years. Sister Vanessa, listen to me. 27 years, and just last week in the prayer closet, I was weeping for things that I had dealt with as a young man. Tears coming down my eyes, tongues coming out from my spirit. And download sanctifying my mind from things that I didn't even know were there. Some people think those are demons. No, that's trauma. I don't believe a Christian has a demon, but a lot of trauma can feel like demons, I'll tell you that. You can cast the demons out your flesh, but you can't cast the flesh out of demons. And a lot of y'all dealing with flesh. You see this? Jesus came to set you free from that. And it starts with you. That's why I can come to you and say be free. Because I know what it's like to be free. I know what it's like in my prayer closet to get my self-esteem fixed because I still hold on to being rejected when I was young and not feeling accepted by my friends. That still follows me to, the, to this day because it shaped my earthly personality of wanting to be everybody's friend. Are you listening? Is anybody here following me? But the Holy Spirit has an anointing that can go deeper than Dr. Phil, even my own wife, and set me free from trauma from 1985 and put new thoughts in my mind so when I come to be your friend I'm not carrying the burdens of 1985 with me I do believe we're saved and sanctified at salvation but this brain is still the same one from 85 this is the same one that saw pornography for the first time when my friend brought over a nudie tape he found in his parents house this is the same brain that used to get afraid to fly because I was not in control and I was an out-of-control teenager and I hated when someone else had control over me. Fears, phobias, prisoners of our own thoughts and feelings. Jesus will set you free. Cooperate with him. Next, recovery of sight for the blind. We lay hands on the sick in Jesus' name. It's not your power. It's not my power. We have no reason to take credit or blame for it. Just put it on God. Can I pray for you? If they say no, then it's their loss. If they say yes, then God is blessed. Did you hear what I said? 
I said, if they say yes, God is blessed. How many know this little one right here that my wife is holding, Titus is three, he can't drive. But how many know whenever he's in my car, he's sitting in the back doing this? How many know he has a car that he does like this, like daddy? That makes me proud. How many know I got Joy right here? She just turned five. How many know Joy right here can't have babies yet? How many know that? But every time she takes a doll, she's like her mama. She's playing house. She's calling different things daddy. Love you. She calls different things. She says daddy. And I say, who are you talking to? I'm right here. Oh, I'm talking over here to this daddy. Some little toys are daddy. You understand? See, that makes, that makes me proud. I don't care, listen, if we never saw one answer to prayer. Every time we pray, God nudges the angels and say, look at my children. They're talking just like my son Jesus. Now, does it always just in there? No, it doesn't. I've seen so many answers to prayer. Many of you here have seen answers to prayer. So what do we have to lose? We already make God happy, make him glad. We're making the devil mad. Let's just keep praying then. Let's just keep praying. Get up off the wheelchair in Jesus' name. Jesus loves you, doesn't judge you because you're still there, but I'm going to pray for you. You have diabetes, I'm going to pray for you. Be healed in Jesus' name. I want a doctor to say, I'm still praying while I'm doing the operation because God leads my hands. we got to do all things believing God is the God of miracles. I'm never going to stop believing that he can do a miracle. And then the next one, set the oppressed free, which is similar to the one of freedom for the prisoners. But oppression is something that sneaks up on people. A lot of times in prison, you, don't, you, know, you know you're in prison, but you don't know if you're oppressed or not. Oppression can be like being in prison, but it's a little bit more sneaky or you don't know about it. And so God wants to set you free from the things that hold you back. And then lastly, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I know, Erica, you bring your daughter here every single week. And I know you're speaking over her life, and I want to speak over your life. The Lord loves you and wants to favor you. That's what he'll do for you. I see all these young people. The Lord wants to favor you and bless you. He wants his face to shine upon each and every one of you. I'll put you in with the young people as well, young adults here. And God wants his face to be seen through your face everywhere you go. Your smile to touch others. His hands to t- your hands to be his hands. Now, am I responsible for her right now to win the lottery? No, but I spoke a blessing over her. I proclaimed the year of the Lord's favor over her because of her mother and because of this church. And she can't ever say that nobody didn't preach or help her to see a good thing in life. Well, where's the church? Your church is right up here in your business. You wishing they would stop. Here I am. Here I am. You see, that's what a good church does. A good church points out to the people and says, this is your year. This is your year of favor. This gentleman with the dreadlocks, man, this is your year of favor. I like your hair, dude. What's that? Amen. Receive it. Now, some people get away with that uh, by being cheap, and they don't put any work in it. We're going to put some work to it. You want to be a disciple, young man? Join the discipleship. I think you have, right? You want to come and learn how to pray? Come to the encounter. You want to learn how to preach? Come to preach the gospel. So we're going to put in work. It's not just going to be today in this church, keep building up this stage. No, we say it, and we mean it, and we put work behind it. In Jesus' name, amen? We put work behind it. You want to go to Bible college? We have a free Bible college. We're putting in work for that. That's how we do it, by God's grace. You're going to do these things. Number one, get saved. Number two, get filled with the Holy Spirit. Number three, cooperate with him to preach the gospel, to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, lay hands on the sick so they can recover, set the oppressed free, and tell people God's going to do something great in their life. Amen. Daryl, would you come please in, in closing? Just so you can see how God wants you to think about yourself in these last moments, he wants you to think about yourself just like Jesus. Go to Romans chapter 8. 
Because now people are going to look at you just like I did right here and go, who do you think you are? Speaking to that Latina, that woman of color, you gringo, you. Like she needed your, like she needed your male white approval, your privilege. People, that's how they're going to call me out. You understand? I said, do you understand? I was on a live feed, and I brought a missionary on, and they rebuked the missionary. And they say, who do you think you are, white girl going to Africa? Are you the white savior? That's what the world will try to say to people like me. I'll tell you what they'll say about you in just a few moments. But that's what they'll say about me. Why are you speaking to her with your white, masculine privilege? Devil, you're a liar. I'm not speaking to her because I'm white. I'm not speaking to her because I'm a man. I'm not even speaking to her because I have authority in this position. I am speaking to you as a daughter of a king, as your brother, saying God's got your back. Years will pass, and you'll remember how good God is. It's his favor. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'll say it with the mic off. I'll say it next to her on a bus. I'll say it to her if she's the one that cuts my hair or does my law work, whatever she does in life. I would say it to her wherever I found her in her profession. This is the year of the Lord's favor. Amen? And we're going to do something about it. She may have her own things she wants to work through, just like I do. We'll find somebody in this church. We'll work through them together. Every step that we take here, we take with God and his church. We're not alone. And I'm sorry if there's been bad churches that have let you down, but this one's doing their best. Would you stick around for a while and see what God can do through the anointing? Amen? Look at what Jesus wants us to think about ourselves. There at the end of Romans chapter 8, Turn with me there to Romans chapter 8, where it says that all things work together for good. I want you to see this. It's going to be towards the end right there. Keep on going. I think we might have, oh, no, man, you're way past it. You're not that get stuck on you? It's okay. Go to Romans chapter 8, say verse 28, I believe. Is it 28? Amen. The anointing came and got me in the clutch. <laughs> man, you know, if I can remember that. Thank you, sister, for your forgiveness because I'm still learning to get good at this with the names. But the Lord saved me in the clutch. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things for God work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. You see, that's how Jesus thinks about you today. And he predestined you and called you and justified you, and he is glorifying you right now. And you are going from glory to glory to glory. That's how he thinks about you. Oh, but I'm just Jesus' servant. No, he said, you're more than that. You're his friend. I understand we're just humble when we say that. Oh, I'm just a servant. But he said, you're his friend. And this is what the Father said. Jesus is not the one-off. He is the only begotten when it comes to God coming in the flesh. But when it comes to what he did as a person, he's not a one-off. That cookie-cutter mold named Jesus is getting conformed to you, to you, to you, to me. And it's cutting out all of that stuff that doesn't belong. The Father said, look, Jesus became the mold, and now I'm using it in your life to conform you to be just like him. Look at 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, as Jesus was, we are in this world. How many believe you're like Jesus? Not like Oprah, not like Bill Gates, not like the famous basketball player or football player or baseball player. 
Look at what it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. So if you can be confident on the day of judgment, you can be confident now. This is what you're supposed to be confident about. That in this world, we are like who? Jesus. Highlight that one more time for me, good sir. We are like Jesus. Thank you, my brother. What more could he have said to us to encourage us? You and I can't fail at this. Why? Because he's the one with us. We may stumble, but we can't fail. He already said a righteous man going to get back up, did he not? Well, what about those things that go against us? He already said all things are going to turn towards us and are good. Even that mistake I made with that man I thought was a homosexual, that wasn't, what did I learn from that? How to hear the voice of God more clearly. You can't fail when you're with the anointed one. The anointed one is going to break every yoke. He's going to set people free. He's going to keep his word. I remember when we first started this church, people looked at my wife and I said, it's not going to happen. They literally told us that. I had one man that was a pastor that I was asking for help. Listen to me, Sister Sydney. I asked him for help after I told him all my problems. You want to talk about him not being ready? That's okay. Listen, you want to talk about him not being ready? You know what he told me? I don't even think you're called to be in ministry. You want to talk about a man missing it in my worst day? I reach out to a pastor in ministry, and at the lunch I take him out to, his advice to me is shut it down. But the anointing, but the anointing said, you don't need no man to teach you it. You don't need a man, and I'm speaking that over you right now, Sydney. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. If you have faced situations like I have faced and have heard voices either from the enemy or people used by the enemy saying that that's not your calling or that's not your potential, I want you to hear what the anointing is saying today. The anointing is saying you are a success. You are a prophetess. You are a woman of God. You are a minister. Praise God. And so those, those words could have stuck in my head. But the anointing said, Joe, you just go back out and preach. And so I would ride my bike. My wife will tell you she was working at the bank. I said, honey, trust me. Come on, we were starving, but I said, I got a star I'm holding on to. Anybody listening? That's a lyric from a song, but I'm using it. We were starving, but I had a star I said, baby, I'm not lazy, but I tried to get jobs. They're not coming through. This is all that I asked. This is what I said to my booster booth. I said, this is all that I asked. You just hold it down right now, and I'll get your back because I'm going to give my full time to writing and to preaching. And so she would get up and catch a bus on Addison and Pulaski and go work at the bank every day. And then I would look at my schedule, pray. That was all I had on there. <laughs> Maybe read the Bible. <laughs> And I know some people are like, man, you made your wife go. That was the anointing, though. And I said, I will pray then. I will read my Bible, and I'll go find people to preach to. 
And now after 17 years in this city, we have more than we have ever asked or imagined or even thought. My wife has a good life in Jesus' name because she trusted the star that I was holding on to while we were starving. And my parents were sending me groceries, or her parents were giving us grocery money and buying us groceries, and my parents were giving us a car. Now today we're able to bring others on staff, have two different campuses, and keep dreaming big in Jesus' name. I, I wish I could go to each one of you and be a voice of the anointing, but that would only make you in one sense dependent upon another man. When, when we go back to that First John scripture, it is very clear. You have an anointing and need no one to teach you. You know the truth, and you will know it as you go through your life. You will experience that anointing, and the more you cooperate, have synergy with that anointing, the more your faith will build, the more encouragement you'll have to give others. And then that next time that devil comes, you'll be just like Jesus. You'll say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to go because it is written, it is written, and it is written. That's what I believe, devil, in Jesus' name. Can we give it up for the Lord? Can we stand up today? Come on. Got so excited, slanging that table around. <laughs> Band and altar workers, would you come, please? And let's grab that oil, please, Rudy. We'll pray for every person here. I'll be right here in just a few moments. All that I ask is since we went over a little bit of the protocol, please don't keep telling me the life story. Let me pray for you and move on to pray for somebody else. If you need counseling and all that, we got that for you after service. Amen. Because sometimes people just grab me and they're like, Pastor, I just want to tell you about this right now. Let me just go through this with you. And I know that's important for you to be heard. But can I just tell you what this hand is anointed to do right now? Is just place it on you and say, be healed, set free, be filled. Just tell me which one of those it is in Jesus' name. Amen. The anointing to counsel will come later this week through our counselors. Okay? I'm not a doctor either. But I'm going to pray for everyone who wants it. But I want to just let you in on a little secret. Can I let you in on a little secret? She's just as, as anointed as I am. He's just as anointed as I am. This man is just as anointed as I am. This beautiful Aguila is anointed just as I am. And guess why? Because they got Jesus' anointing. Isn't that what it says? We got his anointing. I didn't get my own anointing because of my own goodness. Go to 1 John uh, chapter 2. Go around verse 20. It's clear. The anointing that you have received, it is from the Lord. Christ the anointed one. See, but, in a, but you have an anointing from where? From Joe Wyrostek, your senior pastor. Is that what it says? Uh, you have an anointed one from who? Bishop T.D. Jakes? From the leader of the denomination? No, it says you have an anointed from who? The Holy One. That's where that anointing came from. The anointing didn't come from anybody else other than the, uh, the Holy One. We got the oil? Can Nancy, can you grab this oil? We're going to lather it up in Jesus' name. We're going to dismiss a little bit differently today, but I think everybody will be ready to rock and roll. Just make sure they all have it. Here's how we're going to dismiss. Worship, prayer, that's normal, right? We always do that. But here's a little bit different today. We want to see who wants to get that anointing to go change the world. Who wants today, as we put up maybe some of those pictures again from Ohio Park, please, or uh, the west side, who wants to go today to their job and use the anointing that's going to be all over you and touch coworkers as much as you can, right? Daniel could do it without getting fired. There may come a time when we have to get fired for it, but I would say right now it's more anointed to keep your job than to lose your job and be another homeless street preacher, okay? 
I said, I said, can I get an amen to that? At least an okay or something. Okay, so I don't want anybody going to their job tomorrow getting fired and blaming me, okay? But that anointing that's on you, I want you to bring to your job, to your family, to wherever you're going for lunch. Have I ever told you about the person I won to the Lord at Charlie Stop, the restaurant? The drug addict, quick story. I went to the restaurant. He's delivering his food to me. The Lord told me something's going on in his life. He really didn't bear it too much on the outside. So I said, hey, man, what's going on? I feel like something's going on right now. Man, talk to me. I'm a pastor. I'm here with some of my friends. And you could just say, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm here with some of my friends. And then he said, oh, man, I can't talk about it. But you know what? I'll I'll tell you this. I lost my sister not too long ago, and I've been really having some problems. And I said, all right, man, you know what? I'll pray for you because I just lost my sister at that same time. A lot of ways to help at the restaurants is just to say something like this. We're about ready to pray for our meal. Anything I can pray with you about, that's a way to do it as well. So he said all of that. We prayed for him. And then I gave him my card when I was done. He called me up, I think, later that week, that day. I can't remember, but he called me eventually. And he said, Pastor, do you remember me? I'm such and such a person. His name was Mike. And I said, oh, yeah, I remember you. He said, listen, I wasn't really being honest with you. Man, I'm on crack. I live in a hotel. And my whole life is messed up. And that job is the only thing that's holding me together. And I'm about ready to lose it. And I feel like I'm going to lose my life if I lose this job. I said, brother, listen, I'm going to pray for you right now. He ended up giving his life to Jesus. Because of his habits, we put him in a program. And I think I told some of this a while ago, the story. But I had went to New Orleans not too long ago to work at a church and do some stuff. And you were there. You remember that big man, Mike? Big old white Mike came running out of a fork truck at the church because we were delivering off food for Katrina. Gave me the biggest hug. And before I could even recognize, I didn't even know who he was. And then I stepped back after this big bear hug. And he's like, man, it's me, Mike. I'm now married. I live out here. I have a job. I've been going to this church. That man had been living for God for over five years. He's still living for Jesus. That was from all glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. That was from the Charlie stop. The Charlie. Can I tell you one more about Aldi's? Can I tell you, this is funny, but the guy's name's Mike as well. You remember the African-American Mike that I met from Aldi's? My wife talks to the checkout clerks. My wife will meet them at other places and be like, where do I know you from? They'll be like, oh, I was a checkout clerk at Aldi's. And my wife's like, I preach to you. We've had people from Aldi's that she's talked to at the checkout line come to this church. Praise God. Same thing with Mike. I'm looking at hot dogs. Mike's looking at hot dogs. I'm like, man, what kind of hot dogs are you get? That's all we're talking about. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, man, listen, I'm bringing over some people to my house. Why don't you come over? I had no idea about this guy's story. I'm just getting hot dogs. He seemed like a nice guy. I'm anointed to be ready for these moments. Are you listening? I said, are you listening? Even though I don't know in the flesh what I'm doing, I just feel right about this. And be careful, okay? Especially ladies, be careful. But I'm like, hey, come over. And he said, long story short, I can't come over, but let me give you my number. We'll hang out another time. I get his number. Guess what Mike is? A backslider. A backslider. Mike ends up rededicating his life, coming to this church, and serving the Lord. And the last time I was on the west side, I saw a dude drive by. He didn't stop. He reversed. Comes up. Comes up. Rolls down his window. He's like, Pastor Joe, what's up? And it's Mike from Aldi's. And I met him at the Aldi's in Elgin. It's an anointed world after all. It's an anointed world after all. When you walk in the anointing, you never know what's going to happen next. One last story. It's not about me. Glenn Boom Boom Badonsky used to be an evangelist that would come here. He would preach all the time. He was getting tech help. I can't remember what it was for. AT&T, something like that. He's on the phone. 
Most of the time, where are they from? India, right? Or the Philippines? He starts talking to a guy on the phone from India. He starts talking to G about Jesus. Comes to find out that the guy working on the phone is a pastor's son, okay? He then says, well, let's exchange information. They then exchange information. They talk outside of the job, which is already crazy. Could you imagine exchanging information? Like, first of all, that guy would probably get fired, right? Like some scam, like Prince of, of Nigeria, if you've ever gotten those emails, right? So they're actually exchanging numbers. This American from a helper on the phone line from India comes to find out that the father had a prophecy that someone from America was going to come and help them establish their church and Bible colleges. Glenn, now to this day, that was over 15 years later, put up Glenn Badonsky. Glenn Badonsky put up his Facebook. He's, the Bible college is having their 30th anniversary right now, and he put up a post. They established a Bible college in that man's church, the Father's Church in India. You think that happens every day? You think that's something that just randomly happens? Don't try it. It's not going to work. You're going to find yourself somewhere tied up in a trunk in Pakistan if you try that, okay? I don't have anything against people in India, but, you know, you try that anywhere. Just giving people your number. Let's trust each other. He went, Glenn went on a plane to go meet them in India because he had trusted the prophecy and this person and took a plane, and he had never been to India. And they established that Bible college, and we'll put it up here in just a moment, but that's where the anointing will take you. So I want to pray for world changers and history makers and roof breakers. I want to pray for people who aren't checking that I'm running a little bit late today. For those, I'm sorry, we'll dismiss in just a moment. But I want to pray for those who say, man, I, I'm done living normal life. I want to live supernatural. I want to have a call with somebody on the helpline and plant a Bible college. I want to be a mom that leads my child to the Lord at the kitchen table. Come on, somebody. I want to be the one who wins my waiter to the Lord. I want to bring somebody from Aldi's to my life group this week. That's the kind of folks that I want to see because otherwise what we're doing is we're hindering the anointing. We're hindering it. We're, we're saying yes, but we really don't mean it. He calls himself White Tyrone. He has a beautiful story. He was adopted by an African-American family. And you want to talk about cultural appropriation. People, You think I preach like I'm black. This guy preaches like he was literally raised by a black family because he was. But then people mess with him and they think he's trying to do something he's not. But his family nicknamed him White Tyrone. Anybody ever seen that movie with Steve Martin where he was raised by African-Americans? It kind of reminds me of it. It's like a funny movie. Anyways, I shouldn't have said all that. But let's click out of that right there. So click out of that. And you can see his nickname, White Tyrone. Okay. Go ahead and scroll down right here. Look at this right here. I'm just going to read his testimony. Scroll up so we can see it, please. Training pastors and ministry leaders to shine as lights in darkness is a great responsibility that we cannot neglect in this hour. This week, Mary Beth and I will be in Dallas celebrating the 30th anniversary of SUM, which is I'm wearing here, I was my school, which we'll be teaching on evangelism and leading outreaches for the upcoming generations of ministers. We had the privilege of planting SUM's first international campus, and we have seen God show up mightily over the past 10 years in our partnership. Here's an account from one of the early outreaches, and just click on this right here so everybody can see that. That's in India. He met the person over a telephone call for customer service. That's the man right there in the right. That's, I believe, that's the man that he was talking to of customer service. That, the father is the pastor. Whew. Lord, I said a lot. I believe most of it was anointed. Whatever wasn't, Lord, let them forget and move on. But Father, that which is of your spirit, may it now be confirmed in them.
so that we will hunger and thirst for the anointing of the Spirit to use us and guide us. Lord, we are not here by accident. Everything is Father-filtered, and we believe you have a purpose for us. I ask right now, Father, if there are those here that are not born again yet, they get born again even right now. And if that's you, just start to call out to Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Confess him as Lord and confess your sins, and you'll be saved. Lord, I pray if there's any here that are not yet baptized with the Holy Spirit, they'll be filled with the Holy Spirit with an evidence of speaking in other tongues. Those that are here not yet baptized in that way, just raise up your hands and say, Holy Spirit, baptize me with power. Anoint me with the other tongues of heaven so that I can do all that you've called me to do. Father, you see those who are not saved, save them. You see those who need to be filled, fill them. And now, Lord, all of us here, I pray you anoint us. Anoint us, O God, to do that which only you can do. Would you raise up your hands if that's speaking towards you right now, if the Holy Spirit is guiding you to be in this service, to hang around just a few more moments to get all that God has for you. It's not a pastor that's going to make a difference in the next few moments. It's not one of our beautiful leaders up here. It's going to be whether or not you've accepted it from the anointing of the Holy Spirit first in your own heart. Right now, a few moments, would you pray as I pray for you? Lord, fill us right now. Mas Espíritu Santo, more Holy Spirit. May the anointing of the Holy One, as a matter of fact, I want to pray for each one of my prayer workers. Lord, each week they stand up here to pour out, God, the love that you've given them. I pray you give them a fresh anointing even right now. I pray you work through them, God, only that which you can do. I pray you use their hands to see the sick healed and deliverance come. I pray for my wife, God, as she transitions and does things in the services every week, that you bless her and use her even at these altars. For this awesome man of God, O oh Lord, that he'll see the greatest days ahead, O oh Lord, that he'll see revival come to this earth. He'll be a father of sons and daughters, O oh Lord. I thank you today for our precious sister, O oh Lord. May she be a mother in the spirit, a grandmother in the spirit, anointed, O oh God, to see the year of favor come upon other families, O oh God. In the name of Jesus, every person anointed, every worship leader, everyone that ever stands on this stage, be anointed in the name of Jesus. Sing that out right there as whatever the Lord has given you. Anointed to do what God has called you to do. Never the same again as you sat at that table. I heard the Lord say to me, as you sat at that table and talked to many people, you will sit at the table of nations and speak to many nations. In the name of Jesus. Nations, I see you sitting at like a conference table and many nations, like in Latin nations, you're organizing Colombia, you're organizing Bolivia, uh, you're organizing Bolivia, you're organizing Paraguay for the, the campaigns, the campañas. I just saw that in my spirit as I went to lay hands on you. As you sat at the table with people, you shall sit at the table with nations. And I just want to speak what I've already seen in my life. I was sitting at a table in Nepal with a brother from Nepal, another one from India, and another one we had to fly over from Pakistan. I've seen just a taste of it. I pray double on your life right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that my ceiling is your floor and that you go beyond whatever I have ever dreamed of in Jesus' name. That God uses you what we've all been praying for. You will see. I pray for a Joshua anointing to be arisen upon you right now to go where Moses didn't even go in Jesus' name. No jealousy here. We support you. We stand behind you. You don't have to be ashamed of your success here. 
God has given that to you as an anointing. Are you all ready for this? In the name of Jesus, I'm just going to dismiss you now. Those who want to stay can stay as long as you want. Those who want to be dismissed, we, we bless you. You're not under any condemnation. But for the rest of you, and I mean everybody, we're going to start praying. Amen. I'm going to pray for him first. And then, this brother, you're so used to helping me. I'm going to pray for as many as wanted today. Thank you, Salvador. You're a good man. Praise God. Thank you.